Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Are you tired of doing the same workouts day in, day out? Well, check out the Peloton app. Wherever you are, whatever your mood, the Peloton app has something for you. Lunch hour power walk. Park Pilates. Beach yoga. The Peloton app has it all. Try it today. Download the Peloton app and get your first 30 days free. New paid memberships only starting at $12.99 a month after trial unless canceled. Terms apply. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-soda where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're talking queer Jewish horror, Bollywood, a wild new docuseries, an oppressively sad but funny movie, a weird little serial killer movie, and uh, Vincent Price is a real dickhead. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, before though... We're going to do a live taste test. Everybody, I have (laughs) the liquid death uh, severed lime flavor that I've been looking for for weeks. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Not like heavily, but nowhere around me had it. And then I found it at my 7-Eleven finally yesterday. And uh, I'm going to try it live on air. Everyone, this is very exciting content of Mary Beth Shrine's new (laughs) seltzer water. Uh, Very appealing to the ears. Uh Uh-huh. That's delicious. Wow. Isn't it? That's fucking delicious. That is my every day when I go to work. It is like my afternoon treat. I bring one in for work because it is just so freaking delicious. Wait. Liquid Death, sponsor us, please. Holy shit, this is so good. Wait, I is know. this what's going to get me to stop drinking Coke? Oh. It's what got me to stop drinking soda, period. All right. I didn't like the mango one as much. So I was. No, I'm not I'm a huge, not a fan, huge of fan of that. that one, but this is fucking delicious. All right, cool. I know. Wow. all right and thank you everybody for uh joining us for this segment recommend your seltzer waters on twitter so i can try more seltzer water 
This is the content that people crave. <laughs> da, 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 da. Scarred for Life is now all about seltzer, and everyone comes on talks uh, with their favorite flavor of seltzer. Seltzer for life. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> we can still be SOFs. But seltzer for our, life. Oh, if we ever do a Patreon, that should be a Patreon episode. Seltzer for life, and it's just us drinking seltzer and talking about seltzer. <laughs> just slurping into the mics. Really? <laughs> Tell me if you'd pay for that, listeners. Yeah, honestly, please. please because if we could just have people pay money for us to try seltzer uh, water i would do it in a heartbeat i would do it for free uh, but yeah send us your seltzer water that you love like I fucking love we it. love it oh, i love seltzer I love water, seltzer water. Oh. fuck that's good anyway i know <laughs> that was my reaction the first time i had it was like and i'm ordering a case i'm literally about to order a case of that shit it's so good amazon ships it and it's not that expensive fuck yeah it's like fifteen dollars for twelve for twelve of them. Oh my god! A new addiction. <laughs> uh, okay, but <laughs> movies. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's start with the Bollywood. I want to hear about your Bollywood one because uh, the you're the first one that we'll save that for last. So <laughs> okay, so this Bollywood movie is called <laughs> RRR. I feel like a lot of people have seen this around like twitter uh it stands for rise roar revolt and it is directed by ss rajamuli who directed the incredible epic two-part film bahubali which is about an indian like legendary figure and it is bollywood so it is musical and like very over the top and so rrr is the story of two Legendary revolutionaries who I believe are real, but this movie like has them become best friends and they're each like fighting for the freedom of India from British colonial rule. It takes place in 1920 and it's like, it is so good because it has this beautiful friendship between the two characters, um, who is Beam and Rama. And so Beam comes from a like small village in India and the British take one of the village, um, the like the, one of the young little girl villagers because they think she's cute and they want to like keep her as a pet. So he Ew. goes on this journey to save this girl and meets this police officer Rama, who is like mwah, handsome man, like oh mm. cutie patootie. And they have the most incredible meet cute. It's on my Twitter of them saving a little boy, and they like swing through fire and one of them is holding like the indian like a flag and it's just like the most insane thing i've ever seen and it's incredible and there's also this dance sequence where they're the only um indian guys at this british party and they do this dance with their suspenders and have a dance competition reminiscent of midsommar when they're all dancing in a circle (laughs) wow so good it's on netflix um it's in mm-hmm. hindi on netflix it's not the original language the original language is telugu but i mean that's what i had available i want to see it in theaters and like they're extending the theatrical run for it i think because it's been so popular and it yeah. is just so fun and you just have a smile on your face the whole time it's just like a just a damn good time so i highly recommend you check it out three hours long so it's like a good evening it's got to be like a order food and like bunker in for the evening but it goes by really fast like these movies 
are long, but they have like so much going on in a good way. So um, I just highly recommend it. And I'm not a big, but I don't know a ton about Bollywood. Um, friend of the show, Purpurina, has given me some incredible recommendations because they're really into, um, they, they've been obsessing over RRR, which is incredible. And we've been talking about it. In, in the DMs, but they also sent me like a list of movies to watch, so I'm really excited. Hell yeah! Um, Bahubali parts one and two are on Netflix. The, those are fun as shit. the The soundtrack is like I listen to it at work like, to work. It's just so fun and so good, and it's just oh, it's so fun. Bollywood is so fun. I'm ugh, it's just great. Yeah, I want it. I want to watch it. I've wanted to watch it because I've heard of I've heard about it because it did like a theatrical run and, and like people that were in places where it was playing were like raving about it. And I it's been like it feels like it's been on the periphery for such a long time. And the only thing that's been keeping me from like sitting down and watching Netflix is the the three hour. Yeah, it's over three hours, right? It's over it's three a, hours. It's a long. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long. It's a long movie. We had... <laughs> They do intermissions in the theater, so Steve and I did an intermission. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, we gotta take a break. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very good. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, completely change the vibe here <laughs> and talk about an oppressively sad but funny question mark <laughs> movie. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> okay, so this movie premiered at Tribeca and it's called Next Exit. Okay. And it was written and directed by Mally Elf- Elfman, the a daughter of Danny Elfman. Sweet. And you have Rahul Kohli, who is just... Cutie patootie. I love him so much. Wanna give him a smooch on the forehead. <laughs> Me too. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I was trying sure. to say wholesome. I was trying to say wholesome. <laughs> I was trying to be I appropriate. <laughs> I mean, sure, I'll kiss him on the forehead. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> before this goes down like a whole path of me just like, I don't know, this fantasizing. Not, this is supposed to be like a sad movie and I'm just, we're just like, <laughs> let's talk about dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woo! Uh, but anyway, so he plays a character named Teddy and oh, uh, Teddy. Katie Parker. Fuck, what I know. Name? Sorry. Woo! <laughs> Katie Parker, who's been, um, well, she's been in a number of Flanagan movies. Uh, yeah. She was in Absentia. She was in The Haunting of Hill House. She's going to be in The Fall of the House of Usher coming up. Was she in Hill House or was she in Blind Manor? She was in Hill House. Oh, okay. For a couple episodes. She was in Doctor Sleep. Okay. Like, she's been in a lot of, she's a she's a Flanagan um, actress. Okay. Uh, but she's, she's phenomenal in this, by the way. But anyway, oh, yeah. so they play th- these two people who uh, okay let me back up a minute so (laughs) the movie opens with on a like a horror movie note of like this creepy doorway in this darkness and the camera's moving through it and then there's this little kid sitting on a bed and he reaches over for his flashlight and there's like a jump scare of a ghost face on the edge of it and he kind of jumps but then turns out that the ghost is actually his father who's dead and he starts playing cards with them Oh. In the real world, we can't see the ghost, but there's like a camera that's situated on the bed filming the two of them. And on the camera, we can we can see that he is playing cards with a, a specter. This video goes viral, gets spread across the internet, and it starts like uh, this doctor played by Karen Gillen. Gillen. Karen Gillen. She starts this this corporation who wants to explore the afterlife. 
And the way you do that is like with other explorers is you have to have someone who's dead and willing to pass on to the next life. Uh huh. And so Teddy and um, Rose are two people who have decided to give up life on the earth. Okay. Basically have assisted suicide and be explorers in the afterlife. Oh boy. And they have a meet cute of sorts while they are both trying to rent a car to drive across the country and the car's been over double booked. His license is going to expire in a week. And while he says it's not going to be necessary, they weren't, they won't give him the car. So the two of them who don't know each other decide to do a cross country trip Okay. To their final destination. Which is the afterlife. Yeah. So you can tell this is a very heavy, <laughs> heavy subject matter. And the movie kind of, it uses like a romantic comedy tropes because you have a meet cute. You have two people who are at each other's throats who eventually start to open up with each other and start to like maybe fall in love a little bit. You have all this going on, but it's like surrounded by this, this dark specter that is literally chasing Rose. She keeps seeing this ghost in like mirrors and behind her. That's like chasing her. And both characters are very haunted. You start to dig into why the two of them want to okay die okay cool and <laughs> yeah so very 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 heavy very sad but the characters um are are very human and authentic and feel like you get to know them and as you start to know them there's like there's moments of it of of very high levity i would say okay and it's just, it's powerhouse performances by both Katie and Rahul. Like, just, they just, they're so, they have so much chemistry and there's, mm. they have so much charisma. Hell yeah. And as they start to like learn about each other and start to maybe try to help each other while they're doing this, it just, it, it makes such a, I don't know, it was such a good watch, but like, it was one that I'm just sitting there just getting more and more sad. It's so good. The score is by Ariel Marks, and she did uh, the score for Shiva Baby. And she, just like in that movie, she adds like a, a hint of of menace and a, and a hint of like horror movie vibes to it Hell that yeah. just is constantly unsettling. Uh, it's just I I really love this movie. I I think that it has a lot of trigger warnings because there's it's a movie about suicidal ideation. Yeah. About wanting to die and it's it's so there's a lot of like comes a lot of, a lot of trigger warnings but I'll tell you it's a very it's a very moving movie. I really 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 liked it. Hell yeah. I I'm excited to check it out. I know it's coming out. Is it coming out this summer? Oh, I don't even know. I feel like it might be coming out this summer, but I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard. Cool. But it's it's um if it plays at a festival and you can watch it, y'all, I would I would recommend it. It's um Whew, it's heavy, but it's good. Cool. Changing tone again, I think, maybe? What's this wild new docu-series? Okay. So, Steve and I have been watching for the past four weeks the docu-series on Hulu called The Deep End. And okay. it just ended last week. It's only four episodes, so it's pretty short. But it is about, like, self-help guru Teal Swan and her how do i put that it basically cult and how it's a cult mm. but she refuses to acknowledge mm. it's a cult and mm-hmm. <clears throat> actually quasi related to next exit she is known for being 
a person who encourages people to um, end their lives. Oh, dear. Yeah, she is known for kind of instead of telling people like, no, you know, you don't need like, don't do that. She encourages them. She's like, well, if you think you need to do that, you're just like not going to do anything. Like, why not just follow through with it? Uh, Which is uh, incredibly upsetting. And she is such a shitty person. But this docuseries is so fascinating because like she's letting them document inside of her inner circle. Like she wants this to be about her and she thinks it makes her look good. And like, I think she thought it would be a good PR play instead of like, look, I'm not a cult. I don't have these like horrible ideas. And instead it becomes this fucking show about how absolutely horrendous she is as a person and how she treats everyone around her like shit and how she's manipulative and terrible and rude. And it's just incredible that she lacks so much so little self-awareness that she does not see how badly she is portraying herself in front of the camera and it's so it's only four episodes it uh is on hulu and it's fucking fascinating because i feel like you get all of these docuseries about cults like from the outside and you kind of hear people talk like you have you know testimonials from former members but you don't have like that inside access to like the Mm. actual unfolding and what it looks like and Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating and totally fucked up because she had it's like she oh this is the other thing god damn it she has people like her her she's these retreats where you're basically like reliving your trauma to like expose you to it and she has Mm. other people on the retreat not professionals channel your trauma and like assume your trauma so instead of like actually talking about trauma they like plant these ideas in people's heads about what they um endured and this is like the inner circle of the people that are like really indoctrinated into her stuff. But yeah, uh, she's a fucking menace to society. Wow. It's a, it, it, okay. it is fucking wild. Okay. <laughs> Did I, you expect uh, any of that? Probably not. <laughs> no, no. It's 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 funny because I've I've like all of a sudden on Twitter I've seen people talk about the deep end and how wild it is, but no one has said what it was. And I hadn't, I hadn't gone to look. So like when, when you said, I was like, I have no idea what this is even about, but everyone seems to be talking about it. And holy crap. Holy crap. It's, and then like, it also, it's like following her and then following one of her followers who's been with her since she was a teenager and how she basically bullies his new wife and like that really weird relationship dynamic. It's wow, wild. And it's beautifully shot. It, it's weird because it sometimes feels like a fictional movie the way that they kind of talk. So mm. I'm curious about like what was kind of more performative for cameras, but I don't know if she even has self-awareness enough to do that, honestly. Oh. It's just shot like very cinematically. So it's a little bit, it's weird sometimes because it's like, are you trying to make us sympathize with her? But right. I got into my head about it, but it's a... It's fascinating. If you like that shit, I highly recommend it. It's four parts. It's pretty wow. short. I I think you should check it out. So. Huh. I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then. Wow. <laughs> did I just like blow your mind with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. She's, she is wild. Um. 
I, I could talk about her forever, so I'm gonna stop now just because I've been like I fell into a rabbit <laughs> hole about her and like her Twitter and all this you her YouTube and shit, and I was like, what is happening to me? I I am like playing into her hands because I'm so fascinated. Um, what about this weird little serial killer movie? <laughs> okay, so on a lark, uh, I rented um, a wounded fawn from Tribeca at home. Okay. Uh, just to like watch it, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to review it. I haven't decided. I probably I might review it because well, you'll you'll hear you'll see why in a minute. <laughs> so this is Travis Stevens' uh, third movie. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. So I gave I gave Jacob's wife like a positive review, but it was sort of mixed. But I've watched it a couple times since um, I initially reviewed it, and I've kind of fallen more in love with it than i anticipated oh. so like it's a movie that i think okay. the more i've watched it the more i've liked it and i really liked his first movie girl on the third floor i i really like that movie yeah and so we have a wounded fawn and let me tell you that one of the things regardless of what you think about those three these three movies what a tonal shift each movie is and what a like different what what's what's the word i want to say a differently shot like the the way he shoots each movie has has been incredibly different and this this movie itself feels like it's pulling from a variety of different eras of horror movies like okay. it has the aesthetics of like a 70s shot horror film okay. i'm not sure if he filmed on camera or like with, with stock or what but it has like a graininess to it that oh. evokes sort of like that era okay the the furniture and the set design feels of that era but it's set now because they have uh, the main character has a cell phone and she listens to uh, cigarettes after sex the the band. Oh hell so, like, yeah, I love that band. Who? Yeah, me too. So there's like it, it's very anachronistic in that like it, it has like this timeless weird dreamlike quality to the film that could take place anywhere from between the seventies and now. It's very weird, and it's about so it has former guest of the show. Josh Rubin <laughs> as um a serial killer who um in a in a in a twist that that seems sort of like reminiscent of fresh okay. this woman is getting out of a relationship named Meredith played by Sarah Lind she's getting out of a relationship that was abusive she's back on the dating scene um she's met this guy Bruce who like She's like telling her her two friends, like, oh, I'm not going to introduce you yet. I'm trying to see where this is going to go before, you know, we introduce people. But she is going to the cabin in the woods that he has <laughs> that he owns and driving away into this very remote place to spend a weekend with him. And so she does. She gets there. And when she's leaving the car, she hears a female voice in the back of her head say, leave. And she's like looking around going. Hello? Where, where was that voice coming from? Because there's there's no one there. And she's... They go in the house. They start to, like, you know, get dinner prepared and whatever. And she starts seeing things outside. A woman running by the, the window, triggering, like, a motion light. Something keeps crashing into the window. Like, there's just weird things going on. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, he keeps seeing this, like, for lack of a better word, owl man figure thing that's bathed in red that is telling him to kill her. Cool. And then it gets really weird. Oh, okay. And it's just like a descent into madness that kind of takes on um, Greek mythology for a lot of it. And is more about 
punishing the serial killer in a way. Okay. Without like spoiling things. This is a movie in which jo- a lot of shit happens to Josh Rubin's character. And it's it's funny. It's weird. It's, um, I don't know. I don't really know how to really describe this film. I don't think it's going to be for everyone. But okay. I'll tell you what. I really appreciated it by the time the movie was over. I was like, okay, this movie is very weird. It's it's very um, idiosyncratic, but it, uh, it really worked for me. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've heard divisive yeah. things out of Tribeca, so I'm excited to check it out. It kind of sounds also like, I, I like how Stevens did Revenge in Girl on the Third Floor. I thought that was a really interesting kind of like, I saw it as like a rape revenge movie. Which, um, I, I really mm-hmm. like that. So it sounds like he's kind of hitting similar-ish beats with this one in terms of, like, mm-hmm. punishment. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. It has, like, a, I would say, like, an Italian horror vibe from, like, the 70s, too. Oh. In terms of, like, the style and the sort of dreamlike nature. Like, serial killer by way of Suspiria, oh. in a way. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... It's wild. It's a wild little movie. Huh. All right. Cool. But speaking speaking of another Tribeca film that um, we both have seen, let's talk about this queer Jewish horror. So this is Attachment. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is like, I think this was the only film I watched out of Tribeca, and I'm very glad I did. So this is the film, it's a film directed by Gabriel Beer Gislason. Uh, um, it's a Dutch, it's a Dutch, it's like, Part Danish, part Brit- like British film, um, but it follows Maya, who is kind of like an age, uh, like a, an actress, and Leah, who is a British academic, and they have this cute little like rom com meet cute like in the library, where they like exchange book, like they drop books and they switch up and they have a cute little chat before. So it's got this like cute rom com kind of quality to it which is so funny because mm-hmm. it just kind of like goes in a very different direction you described it to me as a rom like a rom-com dropped in a ghost story which is a mm-hmm. very apt description leia has this like very weird seizure and so maya takes her back home she has a seizure and hurts her leg like when she's having the mm-hmm. seizure and so maya takes her back home to london where she lives with her mom and when she gets there, um, her mom played by the incredible Sophia uh, Grabol. Oh, she's so she's good. She's so good. Um, is acting very weird. So they're an Orthodox Jewish family. Um, her father, Leah's father, is no longer in the picture. So just her and her mom. And her mom converted to Orth- Orthodox Judaism um, for her dad, if I remember it correctly. Mm-hmm. And she's actually like the like this when people talk about the stereotypical like kind of overbearing jewish mother she kind of had it's that vibe of like wanting to just take very good care of your kids and like not you know the i know best for my child etc but then we start learning that there's actually a very specific reason for why that is happening and it goes from this kind of like funny not funny but like rom-com vibes to like very oh there's it's humorous it's, there's a lot yeah, i think it's got i think there's a lot of humor in the, oh, in the movie i agree there definitely is sort of like meet the parents vibe like yeah you know, meeting the parents of someone that you just are starting to date and maybe are figuring things out and then she's very intrusive like there she, the, uh, maya is sleeping in leah's apartment and she keeps waking up in the middle of the night and there's a candle that's been lit like like 
her mom has been sneaking into the room while they're like while they're sleeping. There's like all of this kind of like very intrusive things that it's like, okay, this is like really awkward and that kind of like again meet the parents type vibes. But then, yeah, like you said, it gets a little little twisted. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I think. I wanted a little bit more horror out of it, actually. I think mm. I wanted a little bit more and, like, a little... It, it basically, like, follows some possession movie beats without spoiling too mm-hmm. much. So I think that part wasn't as well developed in my head. But I love, but mm-hmm. I loved the characters and their chemistry in that. Like, I did mm. really enjoy that aspect. And I think the performances were awesome. I think it just, like, kind of loses mm-hmm. the horror thread a little bit. But I still really enjoyed it. And, like, queer Jewish horror? Come on now. Like, thank God. We finally yeah. have some. Uh, there's an article either already out or coming out on Dread Central that someone wrote for Pride that is about the search for queer Jewish representation in horror. And it's a really mm. awesome article. And uh, so I was like, well, thank God we have. And it's coming out to sh- I think it's coming out on Shutter soon-ish. So it'll have distri- I think it has distribution already. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I really liked it. Um, I you're right. The horror is a bit understated. I would say. Yeah. So I wouldn't go in expecting like a, a terribly scary movie, but it it has a creepy vibe to it. It's got. A, it does have a really like a lot of atmosphere. Not to compare it to like the old, like one of the only other Jewish horror movies we have, but like it's got that kind of creeping dread vibe in the vigil. Not nearly as scary by any Mm-mm. stretch, but like those moments, kind of like where he's sitting in the living room and there's like a playing with light and stuff. There's a a good deal of that going on in this movie. So playing with kind of those, like that setup, but not nearly as scary. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I really enjoyed it. I need to get my review done. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't have to review it. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Oh, I love when that happens. But now let's talk about Vincent Price being a total dickhead. Terry, yes. what was our horror comedy for this week? Okay, so I'm embarrassed to admit that I did not realize that this was a play on words until I was probably three-fourths of the way into the movie. It is a comedy of terrors. You didn't realize that was a fucking play on words? <laughs> no, Mary Beth, I did not realize it was a play on words until I started to realize that, oh, this is a comedy of errors, is what I, is what I said to myself literally as I was watching this movie. It's like... Oh, <laughs> yep. Sometimes he's smart, y'all. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. But in this comedy of terrors, we have um, an undertaker named Waldo, played by Vincent Price as a dickhead. Oh, he's so hot, though. <laughs> I want to talk about him in a minute. Yes. And he is uh, married to um, a woman named Joy, er, played by Joyce Jameson, who is the daughter of his business partner, Amos, played by Boris Karloff. And they he hates her. He's a drunk. He keeps drinking. He is a complete other dick to her. Uh, Meanwhile, his assistant, uh, Felix, played by Peter Laurie. Um, is also in love with his wife and is very upset that he keeps treating her horribly. Meanwhile, 
their business is suffering as the undertaker. They only have one coffin that humorously they keep loading bodies into. And then once like the, the funeral services has died down and everyone's left, they literally dump the body off into the, the ground and bury it up and take the coffin back. Um, but their business is suffering. Great. And they're going to go, going to be evicted by their landlord, John F. Black, who's played by Basil Rathbone, another, you know, Sherlock Holmes, another big, British actor. But yeah, so they're going to get evicted. And so they need to like make money. And so one of the ideas is to kill people. So you know, that a very they can... rational response. Yeah. That's what you do, right? Kill people so that they can create their own customers. And <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, such a, it's just um, such a funny solution. To it really is. It's truly something. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of this movie, because I was surprised to find out that it was written by Richard Matheson, oh. who we've covered um, at least one thing that he's been involved with, because he wrote the book that Stir of Echoes is based on. Yeah. Did, he also wrote I Am Legend, right? And he wrote I Am Legend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was also the writer of Jaws 3D. He can't oh, win them all. <laughs> well, range, though. Range. Yeah. Uh, so he wrote the screenplay, and um, I think the screenplay is 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 pretty pretty funny i'm not sure i don't think it's directed particularly well but yeah i think the bones of it is really good but i'm curious to hear what you thought of this of this movie mary beth so i i definitely left i thought it was funny mm -hmm. um i think it kind of drags a little bit which is weird mm -hmm. um but i think like it gets a little bit repetitive mm -hmm. kind of like in the action uh, I think the wife sang way too much. Like, that gag got old oh my God. so fast. I think it, like, I like the setup, and I think the performances from Peter Lorre and um, Vincent Price are great. I just think, like, some of the gags just were used too often, and mm -hmm. it got redundant. But I still had a great, like, I still had fun with it. I think, Vin I mean, Vincent Price is really hot, so, like, that was really cool to get to watch him be really hot and hear his voice for like an hour and 20 minutes. And that feels so funny. It's only an hour and 20 minutes, but it feels longer than an hour and 20 minutes. It does feel longer. I think it has a, 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 a great beginning, a really good ending, like third act. And the second act, just like, I don't think necessarily played out as well as it probably could have. Yeah. Although hearing Basil Rathbone, being silly, first of all, because Basil Rathbone, whenever any movie I've seen him in, he is definitely like prim and proper Sherlock Holmes type character. Yeah. To see him be silly in this and to allow himself to be kind of funny, where he's like literally randomly quoting Macbeth, Macbeth as he's walking around the house with an axe trying to kill people, is quite humorous. I I think this is really cool simply because it's a lot of the horror greats all coming together for one movie. Oh, you yeah. Because Vincent Price, Karloff, Rathbone, Peter Lorre, like these are all genre big weights in their in their career, and this is a movie where they're like all together and getting to be make fun and be silly, and I think that's that's really, I don't know, it really that really worked for me. Yeah, and I did love the line where Vincent Price's character he gets stiffed on a fee for burying the man that he murdered because the wife takes off with his money, and his comment is, "Is there more no morality in the world?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> That's a good line. Peter Laurie climbing up the roof and goes, why did I break out of prison? It was so peaceful there. <laughs> like, that fucking yeah. killed me. Like, that was incredible. And at the end, like, I, I, I gay gasped at the ending when the dad gives Vincent Price poison instead of some I just thought that was, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, what a great way to just, like, 
tie it with a little bow. Mm-hmm. So I think it definitely is fun, and I liked it overall. I just think there's some, like you said, direction issues. <clears throat> but yeah, still great. One thing that I did realize watching this is I I'm I'm fairly convinced at this point that all of the actors in Hollywood from this era were either gay or Republican. I'm just like, I, I, I've been editing a piece um, for, for Gaily Helpful talking about Frankenstein and how the two main actors in there were, were queer. You know, we talked about Cary Grant, who was rumored to be queer. Uh, rumored. And I use that in quotation marks. Uh, we have Vincent Price, who, what a what an amazing man. Back in like the 50s, was railing against um, anti-queer rhetoric, who supported his his lesbian daughter when she came out and later on after his death her his daughter talked about how you know he did have male relationships like just he's just like a gem i was actually talking to ted gagan about this at overlook like he i did and i didn't really know a lot about vincent price so he told me all the stuff about how he was Polly and how he donated a lot of money, I think, to indigenous people and really mm-hmm. cared about like queer like you said, queer issues and it was I think also apparently and this is interesting, he like when he was younger he was a Nazi sympathizer and then like spent the rest of his life trying to rectify that wrong of like ever being yeah. that kind of person, which is really fascinating to me and like really cool. So he's just like an all-around cool man. Yeah, love that. Yeah, me too. Queer icon Vincent Price. Mm. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. No notes. Um. So Terry, <laughs> what's next on our horror comedy adventure? All right, we are going to go to 1967 and watch El Camino de los Espantos, which was recommended to us by El, aka Perperina, and I'm really excited to see one that's not. You know, American and or British. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to watch this one. And it's on Tubi. So if yes. y'all want to watch it, it is on Tubi right now. Watch it and follow along with us. But who are we talking to on Monday, Mary uh, Beth? Oh, I kind of <laughs> teased this on Twitter already. So on Monday, we are chatting with uh, the co-writer and director of Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes, uh, Kevin Kopaka. Mm. Uh, and we talk about Lucio Fulci Zombie. Mm. Ah! A.K.A. Zombie 2. A.K.A. Zombie Flesh Eaters. Something about Flesh Eaters. Zombie Flesh Eaters. <laughs> His movie rules. It's out mm. June 24th. A week from today. A week from today. And we talk about Zombie, which I saw for the first time for that episode. So, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched and have thoughts? Do you, again, have suggestions for horror comedies we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McGandrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Carr for our artwork. Eric and Andreas have a movie debuting at the Maine International Film Festival. So very exciting to see their next movie. Yeah. It's like a fantasy. I'm very excited to watch it. So get ready for that, everybody. So again, thank you, Eric, for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>